Do you love to travel and save money? Or do you wish you could travel but money is holding you back? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Families Fly Free podcast, where I show you how to fly your family free forever using my simple fly free formula. I'm your host, Lynn Mettler. My family of four has mastered the art of flying free as simply as possible since 2015, and I want to show your family how to do it too. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Families Fly Free Podcast. I'm Lynn Mettler. So to continue on, as we've been talking about different destinations to visit in 2024, I wanted to talk about some travel trends that I am personally seeing and and that I expect to see more of in 2024. So I've got nine different things that I've listed out that are trends that I expect to see more of this year. So the first one is just that we are still continuing to see this unleashing of what everyone's calling revenge travel, basically the travel that you didn't get to do during the COVID pandemic. So everybody's making up for lost time and they're going to the places that they wanted to go when they couldn't go. And so travel demand continues to be really strong, especially during the summer months. And we're going to see continued international travel demand in particular. Um, So we saw that last summer, prices to Europe just skyrocketed. Um, I just heard the Delta CEO saying that they're seeing their levels of travel of their passengers are at 20% above pre-COVID levels. So we really are seeing unprecedented travel demand going on here. And you're going to pay high prices if you're paying out of pocket um, and maybe higher points as well if you are with a lot of people who want to go to Europe this summer. So we're looking at the major cities like London and um, Dublin and Ireland overall. Paris, of course, because of the Olympics. Um, Italy, anywhere in Italy. We talked about Sicily on my international destinations to visit this year. Um, So all of these places are just in incredibly high demand, and that's made U.S. and domestic a little bit slower. So I would consider that as you're making your travel plans this year, is maybe this summer you want to stick closer to home where you may be able to find some better deals and not compete with everyone that's trying to go to Europe over the summer and try to do that instead, maybe over spring break or maybe over fall break where it would be a little bit less competitive. All right, number two is that travel rewards continue to go strong. So um, I also heard the Delta CEO say that they earned $7 billion from with their relationship with Amex um, in 2023. Isn't that jaw-dropping? And that tells you right there how incredibly important travel cards and travel we- rewards are to these airlines. And it was incredibly important during the COVID pandemic when they couldn't fly or most people weren't flying that helped them stay afloat. So I don't expect to see travel rewards going anywhere, anytime in the near future. There's no way the airlines are going to let that settle down. And in fact, I think we're just going to continue to see 
more great cards, more great benefits on these cards as this industry just continues to grow. So if you're interested in travel rewards, this is a really great time to get involved in it, to learn about it, um, because it's really at its peak and there's so, so much that you can take advantage of right now, particularly us in the United States. Um, I talked about this with Caroline Makepeace a couple of podcast episodes ago. She's from Australia, just talking about how other countries don't have the amazing benefits that we do. So I, I have friends in Canada, for example, and they are just devastated that they can't take advantage of these amazing cards and benefits that require that you have a U.S. address. So we really are lucky and take advantage of it. Okay, number three. I think we are going to see continued disruptions and delays when it comes to the airlines, unfortunately. I think they're going to get better, but now we're seeing another round of the Boeing MAX aircraft problem, um, and so I think that's just going to be a continued issue this year as they may have to continue to ground some different aircraft as they make sure that they are safe and they figure out what the problem is, and that's just going to have ripples throughout the whole system. So again, I highly recommend that if you're going to be doing any traveling at all this year that you consider travel insurance. This is absolutely a must if you don't want to get stuck or be out of pocket if anything doesn't go your way. Um, make sure you have a policy that covers you in case of delays or cancellations with your airline, but that can also cover you on all kinds of other great things too, like if you have any medical issues when you're traveling. Um, or, you know, in, like cover you if you lose your luggage or cover food and, you know, accommodations and other things like that if there's a delay. So I, I think, unfortunately, that's going to stick with us through 2024. Get your travel insurance. And remember, there are annual policies if you plan to do a lot of traveling. So that's what my family has been taking advantage of the last couple of years. All right, number four is we're going to continue to see improved internet access on flights. So Delta in particular um, has been working to implement free Wi-Fi across their whole fleet. So right now they have 600 of their U.S. Um, based aircraft with free Wi-Fi. And they say in 2024, they're working to get it on their jets that fly regionally and on short haul routes. So that's going to be a great improvement if you um, are flying Delta. We flew them a couple times last year and we flew internationally and then we flew a regional short haul one and neither of them had free Wi-Fi. So I was looking forward to seeing how that worked and taking advantage of it. Um, and also Southwest has made a big announcement over the last couple of years that they are really continually working to improve their Wi-Fi. I have found their Wi-Fi is not great. And I have just sort of gotten to the point where I just don't even turn it on because it takes me so long to do anything that I need to do connected to the Internet. That's just not even worth it. I could do it. 10 times faster when I get off the plane or before I get on the plane. So I've just kind of settled down to reading my book or watching a show or something like that. Um, but they promise that they're working to make improvements. And another thing I'm really looking forward to on Southwest is they are adding USB-A and USB-C power ports to their seats, which will be so welcomed because they do not have any way that you can charge up a device while you're on a Southwest plane, and most of the other airlines do. 
So that's something that they really are missing. That would be, I think, a huge perk and much appreciated by their passengers. So I look forward to seeing, hopefully that will come largely um, into play this year. Um, the next one that I've got on the list is regarding, you know, elite status and elite benefits. Um, so number five, and Delta famously this year um, made it harder to get elite status on Delta, which upset a lot of their loyal flyers. Um, and they lost some loyal flyers, I think, because of it. On the flip side, Southwest made announcement that they made it easier to get their elite status. But you can go back to my episode number 128 about should you go for Southwest elite status? And I don't ever recommend it. And even though they've made it easier, in my opinion, it's still extremely difficult to achieve. And if you want to fly for free using travel rewards, I think that's not something that you want to try to get because it basically keeps you from earning more points in other ways. So you sacrifice additional points, which is really additional trips, um, or bringing additional people with you in order to get their elite status, which really doesn't do very much for you. Delta, you would actually get some better benefits and perks than you would on Southwest, um, but they've made it harder to come by. And I do just think in general that elite status and luxury perks are going to become, they're going to be harder to get um, unless you're willing to spend money and maybe even significant money to get them. So that leads me to number six, which is airport lounges. Um, if you have taken advantage of a priority pass with maybe a Chase Sapphire Reserve card, or you have an Amex Platinum, or Capital One Venture X, um, you may have noticed that these lounges are very crowded. And a lot of times we'll show up and they're like, sorry, we don't allow priority pass people in from this time to this time, which is the time we're there. And they're, they're very, very full. Some of them are not very clean. They've gotten noisy. So not to complain because it is nice to be able to get out of the regular airport and have easy access to plugs and whatnot, though that's becoming more common pretty much just in the airport, most airports in general, um, are getting much better about having the power ports and everything <clears throat> available just in general. But I think because these are becoming so crowded and competitive that they're going to become more and more difficult to actually be able to get into them. And um, so you may, like, for example, we saw Capital One Venture X remove some of the perks that came with their priority pass, like the uh, restaurant credit that you can get at participating airport restaurants. You can still get that if you have the Chase Sapphire Reserve Priority Pass. Um, and having access to an Amex card that gets you in the Amex Centurion lounges, I think that's going to become one of the better perks um, is if you can have that because those seem to be, I haven't been in one, but I've heard they're less crowded and they are nicer, better quality. So I think it's going to become, you're going to have to be willing to pay to get the real decent, good airport lounges. And I think, again, that's just a trend we're going to see overall for any kind of more luxury perk or elite status. All right. Number seven is interestingly, we are switching, I think, back from vacation rentals as being um, the trendier thing instead of hotels. I think now we're going the other direction. We're going back to hotels. Um, and that's, we had a lot of things happen in 2023, like New York City uh, making it illegal to 
uh, rent out your property as a vacation rental within the city limits. Um, and other cities are doing likewise because they don't want their downtowns and filled with tourists only. And so, and Hawaii is another one that has placed restrictions on vacation rentals such that you might have one booked and then they might require it to house people who were displaced by the the fires, say in Maui, for example. So you don't really have total uh, security that when you arrive that your vacation rental is actually gonna be available to you. Um, so I think because of all these things, people are shifting back to hotels that are more reliable. And, you know, it's much easier. You know what to expect at a hotel, right? And if you're dealing with a major chain, they're usually going to make it right. If you're dealing with um, an Airbnb or a Verbo, um, individually, you don't really know what the situation is. And sometimes that can be more difficult if there's a problem or it's not the way it's supposed to be, or you need to cancel or change, which I think is a big one. Um, a lot of Airbnbs and vacation rentals, you can't cancel. Um, and I saw that happen um, multiple times with myself and with some of our team last year, that became a problem that they didn't have the option to cancel when natural like weather events came up and they couldn't go to their destination. Whereas hotels, most of the time you can find a hotel that's cancelable, usually up to 24 hours ahead if you're if you look and you're careful that you're choosing that option. And so that's much more peace of mind, particularly in this day and age of flight delays and disruptions and all of that. Um, it just makes it easier to book a hotel and you know what you're getting. It certainly is nice to have the space of an Airbnb. But I think uh, we're moving away from that. Another reason would be more people are having to go back to the office um, that worked at home or more hybrid for the last couple of years. And so Airbnbs became more popular. People would go stay somewhere for a while and they would just work from there. Um, and they had the space where they could bring their whole family and all of that. So, But that, I think, is starting to uh, wind down. Um, so that may be another reason that we're seeing a shift away from uh, vacation rentals back to hotels. So interesting. Um, all right. Number eight. Um, and this is just one that I wanted to mention because a lot of people are interested in Disney. So I think a big thing this year is for Disney folks is Disney has largely Disney world, I should say, has largely gone back to functioning as they did pre-COVID. And they did away with park reservations, which is really lovely. Um, and they also ended um, that you could not, if you purchased a ticket called a park hopper, which means you can go to more than one park in a single day. The last couple of years, you couldn't go to any other park until 2 p.m. And so they took that restriction away. Now you can hop parks anytime throughout the day, um, which again, is great. It makes you feel like you're getting more value out of your ticket because you could literally go to multiple, more than two parks, you know, in a single day, you could go to all four of them down there if you wanted. Um, and they also brought back the dining plan, which I'm not a fan of because my family knows how much we spend on dining at Disney. And we know that we do better to pay for it ourselves than to pay for the dining plan. But a lot of people do like the dining plan. It's kind of like staying at an all-inclusive resort. You don't have to worry um, about paying for everything. And um, particularly, it, it can save you if you're doing a lot of character dining or more expensive dining at Disney World. So that came back. So just that we're starting to finally roll back almost in full to 
some pre-COVID functioning. Disneyland, on the other hand, has not removed their park reservation system as yet. Um, so we'll just have to see how they progress um, throughout the year. And they have been a little bit more rigid and strict um, throughout this whole time period uh, with the COVID restrictions um, anyway. And then another big area we talk about reservations is with the national parks. And so during COVID, as a lot of people had to go travel close to home and national parks became a very, very popular thing to do, um, they became overflowing and overcrowded. And so many national parks implemented these park reservation requirements, just like Disney World. Um, so if you wanted to get in a certain area of a park that's very busy or just in the park at all, or you wanted to do certain hikes like Angel's Landing in Zion, you had to have a reservation. And I do think it's fantastic to try to keep the overcrowding down because I've certainly been in a national park that was way too crowded and that's very unpleasant. You're going to a national park to feel like you're out in nature and not constantly in a crowd of people as you're trying to go on a hike. Um, but I don't love how their reservation system works. You literally have to be on there at just the right moment to book your reservation. And then you may or may not use it. I heard someone on a plane one time talking about getting reservations for Rocky Mountain. He's like, yeah, I live nearby. So I just go in and get the reservation. And sometimes I use it and sometimes I don't. And when they're doing that, they're taking a reservation from somebody else who is, would be traveling from out of town who actually would use it. So they make it so you can get a reservation like a couple months in advance, and then they usually open up some more the night before. But if you're traveling there, you don't want to wait to know if you can get in until the night before, because what if you can't? And then that was the whole reason for your trip or the biggest reason for your trip, right? So I don't love it for those reasons. And we have just sort of skipped the national parks um, since they've started doing that and have just kind of decided we'll give it a couple years hopefully things will settle down and then we'll be able to go with some of the other ones that are on our list. But so the reservations have settled down somewhat at national parks, but you're still going to need them for 2024 for arches, for glacier, for Rocky mountain and for Yosemite. And, um, then there's, you know, different requirements again, like they are continuing to have a lottery reservation system for angels landing, um, at Zion national park. So there's, going to be ones like that for particular areas or particular hikes. So if you're going to a national park this year, make sure to know if you need a reservation, make sure you understand how to get that reservation, and what time you need to be on to get it, because it's very, very tricky, I can tell you. All right, the last one that I have, and I would be remiss to talk about travel trends for 2024, if I didn't say this one, is AI, of course, right? That's all we heard about all 2023. So AI has certainly seemed to come into play with, with planning trips. Um, is it helpful or not? I don't know. I haven't really delved into it very much because I prefer to hear someone's firsthand account and recommendations. I want to know. I don't want to type into a computer and have it tell me where I should eat or what my seven-day itinerary should be. I want to hear from someone, where did they eat and did they like it? And where did they rent their car? And I want to be able to ask, like, um, like we just had our webinar on Costa Rica and I was able to ask, okay, was it difficult to drive throughout Costa Rica? Like, how was the infrastructure? Um, AI can take a guess at that, you know, for me from whenever the data is accurate, um, but it doesn't know because it didn't just go there. <laughs> so, so I 
for me, I am a fan of the firsthand recommendations. And again, we really work to do that inside of Families Fly Free by letting our members and our team uh, lead webinars and ask questions of one another in our community forum. And we put together our itineraries ourselves of what we would recommend or what our family did. So for example, I have itineraries in there for Zion and Bryce Canyon, and we have some in there for Rocky Mountain and for Glacier of what we would recommend or what we did when we were there. And then you can ask us questions about like, oh, well, you know, I, my family doesn't really like Italian food, you know, was there somewhere else that you would recommend? Those kinds of things. So, um, but certainly AI is the thing. People are saying they're using it to help plan their trips. Um, I'm sure it would be good to ask questions, just like factual questions that you have about a destination uh, versus maybe trying to Google it online or something like that. But, um, and another thing that I think we're going to see is just more and more booking and activity on our mobile devices instead of our computers. So I think we're probably going to start seeing like the better functionality for different sites and everything is actually the mobile app than it is on desktop or on the computer. So I think that's just a trend that we're headed to overall. So that's what I've got for you today. My top nine um, travel trends for 2024. And uh, I look forward to seeing what actually is in store for us in this year of travel. So have a great week, everyone, and I will catch you on next week's episode. If you're ready to fly your family free forever, I invite you to join my Families Fly Free membership. You'll learn how to stop paying for airfare throughout the U.S., Caribbean, and Europe so you can make those priceless travel memories before your kids or even grandkids leave home for good. And you'll learn it using my simple, proven formula that's helped hundreds of families. You can get more information at FamiliesFlyFree.com.